Hey everybody, it's Connor. Welcome to another amazing episode of Drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell, your favorite twins on the entire planet. And because we're your favorites, we know you can't get enough of us and you want even more. And I've got it for you, Drama Plus, which is the name of our Patreon, which is our bonus content platform, where for $5 a month, you donate to support the podcast. We can keep churning out these lovely interviews, chats, episodes, specials with you. And in addition to supporting us, we give you the goods. You get access to our Instagram close friends and you get multiple bonus episodes a month where Dylan and I chit chat with each other about all the fun, scintillating, sizzling, Broadway, pop culture, personal life drama that you're craving. All right. Well, thank you for finding us. Enjoy this episode and go to patreon.com slash the drama podcast for more. All right, on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, everyone is talking about this smash workshop. I I mean, actually, it's probably a lab, knowing the the state of things. This smash (laughs) lab that's going on. How the heck did you not get into that? I don't know. I think I should have just asked because I think truly everyone and their mother, their brother, their ex is there. I mean, it's crazy. I'm so jealous. I know. We loved Smash, the TV show. We did. You know, we were seniors. Were we seniors in high school when that came out? Yeah. Is that dating us too much? Anyways. Well, well, it's funny because I always tell people, I'm like, I had never lived in New York. So watching Smash, it felt like that was what it was really like, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> it's like watching Grey's Anatomy and thinking that's really what a hospital's like, you know? Right. I mean, I remember seeing Fiction, like baby. Megan Hilty and Christian Borle constantly drinking coffee in Times Square by the TKTS booth. That doesn't happen, <laughs> you know? No, no. In the tiniest coffee cups. Always. Oh, and when we moved to New York, I remember thinking, I got to find those. I need to be like that, know. you know? How pathetic. I know. Anyways, I wish we could have gotten in, but anyone who did, let us know what it was all about. I mean, I'm curious. I'm, I'm hearing good things. Some friends of the pod are participating in it. Casey Garvin, yeah. Robin Herter. It's, it seems like it's- Chris Rodriguez. Oh, oh, yes. I forgot that Krista was doing it too. And I'm curious if it'll uh, do like an out of town or something. I don't think it is. I think word on the street is this is its okay. tryout mm. and it's going to Broadway next season. Wow, I do believe in an out of town tryout. I do. I do too. But, you know, I do too. I'm not the one who has to to fund it. But anyways, producers are eager. But wait, Dylan, has there ever been a TV show that was turned into a Broadway musical? Ooh, our listeners need to tell us. I mean, obviously, tons. I mean, it's all that all the shows these days are movies turned into musicals, but or books, or books, or books. Interesting to think about. I'm sure it'll come to me during this. But our guest today <laughs> has a connection to Smash because she was in an episode of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Dylan, I love this little transition here, but she's also been in a million things and I cannot wait to dive in. This is a dream guest. So our guest today is an award-winning Broadway legend, y'all. She is a three-time Tony nominee, most recently seen on Broadway as Aunt Eller in Oklahoma. That role garnered her nominations for a Grammy, the aforementioned Tony, and Drama Desk Award. Her two other Tony nods include her work in revivals of On the Town and 42nd Street. Her brilliant 
decades-spanning career of stage and screen roles means you've definitely seen her shine. Broadway appearances include Wicked, Xanadu, Guys and Dolls, Marie Christine, Chicago, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, The Rink, Marilyn, An American Fable, and Barnum. She is a drama desk darling, having received a special award in 2012 for her three decades of outstanding work so far, but particularly for her tour de force role in Queen of the Mist. Her five other noms recognize her work in First Lady Suite, First Daughter Suite, String of Pearls, See What I Want to See, and Xanadu. Some selected stage appearances are the recent The Gardens of Anuncia, In Trousers, A New Brain, The Government Inspector, Portuguese Kid, and more. In addition to the earlier mentioned recognitions, she's been decorated with the Legend of Off-Broadway Award, two Lucille Lortel nominations, two Drama League nominations, two Outer Critics Circle nominations, and an Obie Award. Selected film and television credits are... Smash, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, The Good Fight, The Mother, Big Stone Gap, Eat, Pray, Love, Tony and Tina's Wedding, and more. She's also appeared frequently as the voice of Shirley, the medium on Courage the Cowardly Dog. Anytime you see her name on a cast list, you know you're in for an iconic performance. Please welcome to drama, Mary, Mary Testa. Wow, I sound really great. <laughs> you are. <laughs> There's a lot left on the cutting room floor. That's, that's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Doing quite well. Excited, happy. You know, it's Friday, so yeah. there's always a good energy on a Friday. I'm very happy because my handyman was here this morning and fixed a bunch of things for me. So I'm very happy. A couple of things off the list. Just yes. Makes you feel oh good. My God. Totally. I woke up this morning. You know, I, I wear glasses or contacts, so I'm kind of blind before I really get my day going. And I was in the bathroom ready to put in my contacts. I had my toothbrush in my mouth and I saw a giant cockroach on my oh, uh, sink counter. And I chased it around the bathroom for a few, you know, a few rounds. I got like a big wad of toilet paper, went up on my hairdryer, went into the toilet and crawled Ooh. out, went behind the toilet How? and then went behind the sink and now it's gone. And I freaked out and texted my, uh, my super and they're sending an exterminator on Tuesday. So I'm feeling a little unsafe yeah. in my own home. Well, you know, my exterminator came this morning, oddly <laughs> enough, but it's New York City and you will always see a roach. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. every now and again, you will see a roach. Oh my God. Maybe a rodent. Dylan had a giant rat in his apartment Oh once. God. I've dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It crawled up in my couch. Oh and God. We had to horrible. Like... It was horrible. Horrible. No, it's horrible. Maybe you want to burn everything and just I leave. Know. And... I know. I know. I have, <laughs> I, I have somebody that I keep on retainer now because I once had mouse infestation, which was the worst thing in the world. And, mm. you know, you've got to get somebody to plug every hole in your apartment. No yes. pun intended. And you have <laughs> to do that. And then anyway, I have this guy. So I have been blissfully mouse free, knock on wood for oh. quite a while now. I might have to get that guy's number. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got a few holes to fill over here, too. But <laughs> anyways, Mary, we do like to check in with our guests just in a holistic standpoint okay. and just kind of ask, are you well? I am very well, thank you. And I'm very happy. I've had a busy couple of weeks and I saw an amazing show last night. So I'm happy. What show? I have questions about all of it. Yeah, what show? I saw On the Set with Theda Barra starring David Greenspan, who's a genius. And it was a transport group show at the Brick in, in Brooklyn. And David is a one-of-a-kind performer. It was great. It was an hour long, but it was so great. Uh, worth the trip out to Brooklyn. Absolutely. It's only three stops out on the L, because I Brooklyn to me is another state. <laughs> so if I, I usually don't want to go, yeah. but this was three stops out on the L train really easy. 
Yeah. Now you have had a long relationship with the transport group. You've I have. I have. What was the most recent thing you did with them? Was that? I did a one night reading of It's a Wonderful Life where I played um, the villain. Um, what's his name? Potter. Mr. Mr. Potter. Yeah. Potter. Who's kind of like the mm-hmm. guy from The Simpsons. Mr. Burns. Yeah, he's like a Mr. Burns. <laughs> what a, what a, what some a guy said role. to me last night, I know some guy said to me last night, he had seen it. He's a transport group board member, a board member adjacent. And he said, you were so scary and so great. You were better than Olivier. And I thought, no, okay, whatever. But that was That's nice so funny. Say. That's an amazing compliment. <laughs> yes. That was a lovely compliment. Yes. That was, yes. didn't Donalyn Chaplin do that? Yes. Well? Donalyn okay. Chaplin. Champlin. 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 Yes. yes. How could I forget? Yes, she's she just played, amazing. She's wonderful. And she played the, um, what's his name? Uh, the lead role. George Bailey. Yes. She played George Bailey. But who's the actor that played him? Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. She played the Jimmy Stewart role. Yeah. She was I wonderful. I love this little gender flipped production. Here. I know. It was really great. There were like a hundred people in it because every okay. little character had a person. So it was a wonderful one night benefit for transport group during the holidays, which was, I don't even remember when it yeah. was, but it was a oh, while ago. So fun. Yeah. You know, you stay working, Mary. You, you mentioned you've been busy the last couple of weeks. What have you been up to these last couple of weeks? Well, I uh, did a reading uh, for the roundabout, a one day reading. I did Blue Bloods. I played a murdering nurse, which was so much fun. <laughs> About to start a reading today, as a matter of fact. Like, I've been busy. That's wow. good. I just read, actually, your name in about the gallery. Yeah, that's that not till March. No, that's not till March. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know I was starring in it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was laying on the couch one night, and I kept seeing that I had gotten a couple of FaceTime calls, and nobody FaceTimes me. And so I was like, who is calling me? Who is FaceTiming me? So I said, let me just press this and because I'm really bad with technology let me just press this and see who this is and it was Richard Malpe oh my god I was like you FaceTime me he's like yes I I want and he proposed this project and I said okay he said I'm gonna send you one song that you know I think is just the best comedy song ever and I'm not happy when people say a song is a comedy song it's always like oh okay I'll be the judge of that but um (laughs) I just don't like that genre I just that makes me uncomfortable but anyway I was like you know I know Richard and so I was like okay and I listened to it it was really interesting it's an Ed Kleeband project that is old I guess and so then I was like well who else is doing it and he said well you're the first person I'm asking so I was like oh okay so they, you know, I agreed to do this reading. So it's, you know, 20 hour reading. And then in Playbill the other day, it was like, Mary Testa starring in gallery. I was like, I am? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's so cool. And it was a, a post a chorus line for Ed Cleveland, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it never made it to Broadway, so. No, I think they were developing it many years ago at the public and nothing ever came of it. So who knows? Hmm. Who knows? Exciting. I, I love yeah. to see your name. And like I mentioned in the bio, anytime your name is in something, it's, we're in for a ride. So well, thank you. I think. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I want to go back in time a little bit. We ask all of our guests about what got you into the arts. We borrow the term ring of keys from the musical fun home because we like to think of it as, you know, maybe a moment of recognition where the light switch, you know, turned on the light shone on you and you realized, oh my God, I need to be a part of the arts. Do you feel like you had a moment or moments? you know, I've, in many interviews, I've said this story and it's true, actually. Um, when I was a teenager, I was like, you know, I could either be an actor or a lawyer because I've always been interested in justice. Kind of, I've always stuck up for people. If I've seen injustice, I'm the one that will say something. And I'm just that kind of person. 
and have always been, even ever since I was very young. So I was like, well, maybe I should do law or maybe I'd be an actor. And then I was like, well, if I do law, I'm going to have to go to school for a really long time. Yeah, I'll be an actor. So that's how I decided. It was really that simple. And were you in plays wow. like as a kid or? No, okay. mm -mm, no. And when I went to high school, we didn't even have a drama department. Me and a couple of friends, we started one. Oh. We put some show together that was dumb. I think we only did one show. And then um, when I went to college, I majored in theater and, and had never had any intention of being in musicals. I was going to do music separately from theater. And then it all kind of happened. You know, uh, somebody heard me sing and, and then that's how it happened. But n no, I wanted to just be a straight actor. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first time somebody recognized your talent growing up? Did anybody ever like say, oh. Hmm. Yeah, it was my guidance counselor in high school, oddly enough, who said um, she turned me on to, I went to this special school in between high school and college called, I don't even know if they do it anymore, the governor's school for the young and gifted in the arts. And you had to audition. And she was like, I really think you should look into this. She pulled the um, quality of mercy speech for me to audition with. And George Martin, who has since passed away, but was a very esteemed actor with Trinity Square Repertory Company in Providence, Rhode Island, was the guy I auditioned for. And he accepted me into the school. And so that was kind of my first, and it was like a six-week program where they had all kinds of arts, photography, sculpture, acting, all kinds of arts. And it was always at a different place. It was on some campus of some Catholic school. And it was six weeks and, and I had a ball. What did your parents think? My mother was a singer, but not professionally and had won when she was a young a talent contest at the Biltmore Hotel in Providence, which was a big deal in Rhode Island. That's where I'm from. And my mother and my aunt and a friend of theirs had a singing group and they won the talent competition to go on tour with a big band. And they went home and asked my grandfather and he said, no. And that was it. So my mother was supportive. My father, it took him a while. He assumed that I would move to New York and then, you know, like become a prostitute or something, you know, I'd fall into you know, a uh, horrible situation. He was nervous. Yeah. But then they were my biggest supporters, my biggest supporters. They're both gone, but they were my biggest fans. They were the greatest. Did you know if, if they were, there was ever a role or anything you did that they just loved and would always talk about? When I was standing by for Liza Minnelli in the rink and I went on for like two weeks and the first night I was on, my parents made it to the theater. They got, they came to the theater and I had a friend, my friend, Nancy Ringham also came and she sat down, didn't know that she was sitting right next to my dad. And she said, there's this man who keeps going, you show him how to do it. At a girl. Oh, I'm going to cry. You show him, you show him. And she looked and she saw his profile. I looked, I don't know why I'm crying. It's beautiful. She looked and she said, that's Mary's father. And it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's so oh my touching. goodness. That is so incredible. <laughs> it makes me cry. <laughs> Sorry. That came out of the blue. That came out of the blue. Yeah. Understandably so. That's a huge moment yeah. and probably um, like a, a an affirmation to him. Yeah, to, no, he, know, like he, did it. he couldn't have been prouder. Uh, both of them couldn't have been prouder. Aww. And it was lovely. Yeah. Oh, wow. That I'm so glad that Nancy said, I mean, that's I how know, funny she was is like, that, who too? is this man? And then she looked <laughs> and went, Oh, my God, that's Mary's wow. father. <laughs> 
I look just like <laughs> I look just like my dad. Uh, a strong Italian so American gene. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. Connor and I were talking about you before we, you know, sat down today and Connor was like, I just admire her the way that she just is honest and authentic and isn't yeah, afraid. I am. And it kind of reminded me what you said about how you've always stood up for injustice. And there's this I have. through line of you. Where do you think you got that from? This, this... I don't know. Nobody knows. I, nobody, I, uh, I mean, I was very young and doing that. Like uh, we, I was, I think four once and someone stole a parking place from my dad was trying to park and somebody pulled in and I rolled the window down and started, Hey, that's my dad's part. I mean, you know, that's how I am. That's just how I am. I have always been. <laughs> I don't know. I just came out that way. I guess. I admire it too, because especially in the theater industry, people can be so precious and protective and it's really political. Annoying. And I, it is so annoying. I am so the type of person. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh, I okay. don't care who you are. I don't care how big, how influential, how prominent. If you are an asshole, forgive my French, I have want nothing to do with you. And I don't care if you can do something for me or make my career. But I really don't care. I don't want to have anything to do with you if you're just a, not a nice person. I don't want anything to do with you. You treat people with respect. So many people put up with things, Absolutely. you know, just because they think they have to. And it's well, you see people like they something somebody walks into the room who's influential and their whole demeanor changes and you're like, Really? Mm -hmm. Why? So yeah, I'm not that way. And you know, I, I, probably to my detriment in some situations, but honestly I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Do you think it's ever lost you any opportunities? It might have, but it that opportunity wasn't meant to be mine. So Yes. I love that mindset. That what's meant yeah. for you won't pass you by mentality. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. And, you know, I, and I've come to this, I've said, I was very lucky in that I was one of the people who was honored by transport group with like, I don't know, one of these awards. It's like, yeah, you've been in the theater, you know, kind of awarded. <laughs> and uh, I said, I gave a speech. There was somebody there that night who, uh, I won't name names because I don't want to be that dishy, but I... <laughs> Uh, uh, Save it for the memoir. Kind of, yeah. So no, I'm not writing memoir, but I'm kind of annoyed that I wasn't thought of for a project, and I was slightly annoyed by it and have been for a while. And then, and I realized, you know, I said I don't, and I really mean this. I don't care. Yeah, I can look at other people's careers because it's really hard not to, and go like, why isn't that for me? Why am I not in this? And why am I not seen for that? And why does that person get this and why? And everybody goes through that. And, and I said, I'm very happy to work on the projects I love with the people I love and the places I love. And if that's it for me, I'm good. I'm really good. I don't need stardom or, you know, I don't, I just am good there mm -hmm. as an artist and expressor. I'm real good there. And I've come to that. I've, sort of always been that way, but I've sort of really cemented that as I get older. I respect that. I want you to know, though, that we, we all view you as a star. The whole theater community That's does. so very sweet. <laughs> I am, I really appreciate that, but um, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> if only nice. we were the ones casting everything, right? <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, working and creating art with people that you love and have really fruitful relationships with. A lot's been said about your longstanding relationship with Michael John Lacusa. I think he's a genius. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he doesn't get his due. He doesn't get his due. Not at all. But he gets it from me and other people who know. Anyone who's worked with him knows. They then know 
what the quality of what he does and his in, um, immense talent. If you haven't worked them, a lot of people are like, I don't understand him. I can't. Uh -huh, I. There's a lot of that. And I just say, well, then you, you lose mm -hmm. because it's an enormous talent. And I'm very fortunate that we are, um, get to collaborate. I feel very fortunate about that. How does he approach you about working on one of his new works? He'll just sometimes say, I'm doing this uh, musical and I would love you to do this in the musical. And I'm always like, you know, I don't care what it is. I, anytime he asks me to do something, I always say yes, even before I know what it is, because I know it'll be an enormously fulfilling creative experience. And how did the two of you even meet? I don't remember. I think he played once an audition, but I don't, I, I don't remember how yeah. we met. So funny, but I've known him forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you were in Marie Christine, one of his famous Broadway short. -lived, I was short. -lived I've shows. done like um, seven. That show was, I'm sorry. That show was spectacular. And people just, we were in tech rehearsals when they came to us and said, we're moving contact up here into the Beaumont. Oh my. And we hadn't even started yet. And we were like, uh, okay. So we basically just had the normal run. Like they didn't even give it a chance. Wow. And this was like, I believe I read a fact that it was the final musical to open before the new millennium. It was like the last new musical that opened before 2000. I guess it was like 90. Yeah, 99. I think it was December maybe. Something and then like it closed that, in yeah. January. Like it had. It had its normal like six week run or whatever it was. Yeah. It was spectacular. Was that your first introduction to Audra? We had done workshops of that. Okay. No, I mean, I knew who Audra was, but I think that was, yeah, we had done a few workshops with Marie Christine before we had the, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it was just ahead of its time. You know, it's, it's a darker piece. <sighs> there was some spectacular choral music in that. I mean, just, I, I'm biased, so you can't get <laughs> me to say anything bad, but yeah, it was disappointing. Sure. And Graziella also did an unbelievable job with that mm -hmm. show. So another genius. Total. And another person who doesn't get her due. And now right. she's retired. Did she fully retire? Like after Gardens of Anuncia, is that sort of like her? Well, we did it at the Old Globe like three years ago. And she was like, now I'm done. And then <laughs> this happened that they wanted to do at Lincoln Center. So she was like, had to come back for yeah. this one last time. Because Lincoln Center... You know, she was a director in residence for a long time, and she has a really long, rich history with Lincoln Center. So she came. She's exquisite, and I'm thrilled for her because now she gets to be in her garden, you know, at her house and be happy. And they are the two of them, her and Jules, who's her husband, Jules Fisher, who is like a genius lighting designer. They are the cutest little 80-year-olds. You know, they're in their 80s, and they are just spectacular at the top of their game. And, you know, it was it was just wonderful. That's beautiful. It's yeah. nice that they retired. Jules hasn't retired. Oh, Jules, Jules hasn't, hasn't okay. retired. No, no, no. But Grazi has. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good for him. We were talking about the rink earlier with this beautiful story about your parents coming to see you. And that's another one of those legendary Broadway shows that everyone, you know, talks about. And I know that didn't get its due either. That was a really interesting show. I mean, someday somebody will revive it, I'm sure. Definitely. I know they did um, it in the, on the West End a couple of years ago. Cheetah Rivera, legend. Legend, mm. legend, legend, legend. This might sound like a simple question, but... When you joined the rink, what were your thoughts? Like, oh my God, I'm going to be working with Cheetah. I don't think that way. Okay. I never have. I mean, I obviously completely respect and admire and She was so wonderful in that show. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't have legend uh, mentality at all. And I just never have. It was a tough job because there was a lot of things going on. 
but I loved working with her. She was wonderful and challenging and, and just extraordinary. So it was a, a real thrill to be on stage with her. Because uh, you stood by for Liza. So you went and you went on for two weeks. I stood by for Liza. Yeah, but I wasn't the original one. Lenora Nemitz was the original standby. And then she left and I was hired. So I would just sit outside a lot. And then Liza, who was also extraordinary in that show, she was, I would watch from the back steps because as a standby, you, you know, need to know what's happening. And, you know, I would watch all the time from the back steps of the theater. And uh, I just went, man, you can see why Liza's a superstar. She is just so magnetic. And she was wonderful in that role. But she had a lot of personal stuff during that time and a lot of demons and addiction, which is right. not anything new. I mean, I'm not speaking mm -hmm. out of school, but um, and then committed herself to right. the Betty Ford Center. So I finished the last two weeks okay. of her contract. Wow. Did yeah. you pick up on any uh, tidbits or advice from Liza when you were working with her? No, Liza doesn't ever even remember. It was a tough I, time. I didn't, I'm not the kind of person. Yeah, I'm not the kind of person that's around. Yeah. You know what I mean? I pull, I stay sure. in my own. So no, Liza. And over the years, I'm, I think I was like, went to a Christmas party once at Liza's. I don't, she didn't invite me. I was with somebody who was invited. And uh, she was like, oh, who's that? Oh, yeah, she was. I think she said like she was Cheetah's understudy. I yeah. mean, she just wow. didn't remember. Yeah, and that's a different fun. chapter in her life for sure with yeah. everything going on. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I don't need to be Liza <laughs> Minnelli's best friend. Yeah. It's all good. It's really fine. She was never mean to me. She just, you know, sure. we're just, that, <laughs> that was just what it was. I saw a video of uh, you performing Colored Lights, but I've got to tell you, Mary, it was amazing. The song is great. Yeah, you really. Oh, thank you. It's a great score. And, you know, you cannot lose with Kandra and Ebb. Fred was hilarious and a doll. And John is the loveliest, loveliest man on the planet. He came to see Gardens of Annuncia. He is just, he's divine. And they, both of them, you know, their work is exquisite. So you can't go wrong. And that's a beautiful score. There's some incredible things in that score. Yeah. Yes. I, I worked at 54 Below when Cheetah would do a lot of her runs there. And she yeah. did a few songs from that. In did her, she? Yeah. In her act. Yeah. Chief Cook and Bottle Washer was, mm -hmm. was maybe one of them. Mm -hmm. Very catchy. Yeah. And I somebody had a video out recently of Ama. Oh, it's so good. I mean, they're just, it's just wonderful. It's a great show. It will have its I'm scale. sure somebody will do it. I'm sure. Yeah. Speaking of a different, you know, roller skating musical, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Xanadu. Xanadu, yes. <laughs> Xanadu was so much fun. Do people ask you about it all the time? Not all the time, but it was just a, it was just incredible. We did a lot of workshops, a lot of things that changed a lot. And then, you know, then it was like, we did this workshop, I think it was at the Manetta Lane oh. or something. And then my agent called and said, they're going to Broadway. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my God. So it was divine. But no one, like while we were in rehearsal, people would come up to me and be like, How's Xanadu going? You know, is that good? Is it good? No one understood how good it was going to be, how funny. They just were just judging that it was Xanadu, the weird movie. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they're fans of the Xanadu movie, but it was really funny that no one understood. And I finally, I was like, I think I said to somebody, do you see this cast? Do you think we'd all do something that's horrible? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, it was so much fun. 
It was great. Yeah, Connor and I were talking about how that was actually probably our introduction to you. And Is that to right? our generation, right. you know, it was in that time of there was so many exciting new musicals coming out. And I mean, Evil Woman just forever. I is know. So legendary. Well, you can't go wrong with Jackie Hoffman. <laughs> She's divine. You know, I, I mean, I put Jackie in the same category that I put David Greenspan and they're singular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They are singular people. And, you know, oh, we had a ball. Jackie's amazing. So we had a ball. Do you remember creating that song? Because it's not in the movie. It was added for the musical. Like when they put that in, do you remember the creative process of that? I don't. But, you know, we just had fun doing it. Um, it's yeah. ELO. So, you know, I don't, it wasn't in the movie. Mm-mm. Yeah, they added it in. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, but it's it was perfect for us because we were the villains, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How fun. No, it was I great also fun. remember Xanadu was formative to my generation as well because of Cheyenne Jackson in the show. Oh, shorts. yeah. So, <laughs> absolutely. That was something. I mean, you can't you know. go wrong. Another one, you yeah. can't go wrong with looking <laughs> at Cheyenne. He's a gorgeous man. And he's hilarious oh, yeah. and sings like a dream. Oh, yeah. You know, um, he's he's special too. Yeah. I love him. Now, Whoopi Goldberg famously stepped into the show for a bit. What was it like? I mean, you obviously had a relationship with her from Forum and then you were on her show. Yeah. But what was it like then doing Xanadu together? Well, it's great because I had time. I had like a couple of weeks uh, leave because I was doing my own show up at Barrington Stage. Uh, Michael Starabin and I were doing a show we created called Sleepless Variations. So I wasn't there when Whoopi was put in. So Andre Ward um, like kind of took over and sort of helped Whoopi get acclimated. So when I came back, Whoopi was already in the show. So uh, okay. it's great. Whoopi's, you know, divine. And uh, we had a ball, uh, but I wasn't there to help put her in. Have you stayed in touch with Whoopi over the years? Yes, I just saw her recently, very briefly. She's so great. She always remembers my birthday, oh. always. And she's always remembers Christmas. And yeah, it's great. I don't see her as I don't see her very often, but I just saw her recently. Oh, that's special. I have to ask about Marilyn and American Fable. Connor and I touched on Smash beforehand. You know, a, a show about the making of a Marilyn musical. This was the Marilyn show beforehand. What do you yes. remember about that time in your life and being a part of the show? Oh my God, that was a mess. It was a mess <laughs> because no, it was a mess because half the pro- there were a million producers. Half of them were from Los Angeles, and half were from New York. The director, Kenny Ortega, who has since gone on to great fame, was fired very early on in the preview process. And then there was this sort of, they they never had someone to steer the ship. They went through all these people. And then finally, Wally Harper, who is Barbara Cook's accompanist, they gave the director job to him, which was like, what? And so there wasn't, it was craziness. And a long preview process, and then we opened and then closed like two weeks later. The unfortunate thing was there was some really interesting stuff in there. And if they had a smart dramaturg who could say, take this out, put this here, put this here, I think they would have made a successful show because Allison Reed did a great job. The woman who originally played Marilyn, Jerry something, I can't remember her last name. She looked so much like Marilyn, it was frightening. But the thing about her was, apparently, she couldn't hit the back row, kind of. Uh, You know, if you're going to be on stage, you need to, you know, sort of hit everything. And so they let her go and got Allison Reed. And Allison was incredible. And Scott Bakula was, it was a great group of people, but it just never, 
it just never gelled and it was a mess. It was kind of a mess. And, and you were had a hopper. How, had a hopper. What was that role? Did you have like a number? Yeah, we had a number. And, and this is another sort of famous story. Myself and Melissa Bailey, who played Luella Parsons. And we had this number called Gossip that was very successful. And so that's the thing they rewrote every day. You know, usually when something's in trouble, they will go to the successful stuff and try to fix it when they need to fix other things. That's mm -hmm. usually mm -hmm. what happens. And so I had had it and I took all of the lyrics and put what I thought were the best lyrics together and went to Wally Harper and said, I think we should do this. And he was like, sure, go ahead. So then <laughs> the song was set. But um my God, show doctor. Yeah, in it I mean, just that number. I didn't. I didn't have any other say any other place. But <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was. But we were basically in the chorus, and then we had these um, featured roles. So it was nuts. It was yeah, nuts. at the Minskoff, yeah. right? Yeah, it was at the Minskoff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I mean, to hit the back row there it definitely would have been a challenge. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, Kenny Ortega did work with Allison Reed in the High School Musical franchise. Yes, and you know, he did the choreography for Dirty Dancing. Yeah, Kenny's. Mm -hmm. Kenny's huge, you know, he's been very successful. He actually came to see Oklahoma oh. and I was I walked outside one night. He was waiting and I was like, oh my, and I hadn't seen him since Maryland. It was like, oh my God, Kenny, it's so nice to see you. But he's very, you know, he's very successful in his own right, but he was fired, but he was fired yeah. from Maryland. So go yeah. Figure. And hey, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, you have those, those lumps in your life that you got to take and then you never know. Yeah, no, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, Oklahoma, weirdly, with the, the way the timing worked out, we just had Rebecca and Amy Jones on the show. And so we were just yeah. chatting with her about it. Um, she's such a doll. But yeah, that Oklahoma really swept the community. That was, you know, have you heard that people used to call it the Oklahoma that fucks? Yes, I have a thing on my bulletin board. They also called it sexy Oklahoma, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, I Ooh. love <laughs> this Oklahoma fucks. I love it. Oh, that's so cute. I know. Oh, I think I'll always keep this. This is from Nathan. Nathan uh, Kosi, who was the musical director. Oh, I love. I want that okay. T-shirt. That's a that's a T-shirt. I know. <laughs> yeah, totally. That was great. Oh God, you know that's Daniel Fish, the mind of Daniel Fish. I adore him. I worked on that for a long time from the beginning, uh, from sitting at New York Theater Workshop and reading through the script for like a week or two, just trying to figure out um, what, you know, there wasn't anything changed in the script. There was some lines cut and then characters okay. sort of put together. But yeah, then we went up and we did it at Bard for like seven weeks. It was hugely successful and completely sold out. And then it took four years. And then we went to St. Anne's oh. and did it at St. Anne's Warehouse. and then. From St. Anne's, I think we closed in like November and then we started rehearsals for Broadway in January. Was it always in the round and through all those iterations? At uh, Bard, it was like a rectangle and it was oh. only two rows. It was a big, long rectangle. And then at uh, St. Anne's, it was uh, just uh, two-sided. Okay. So the audience was here and then it was just a really long playing field. And then at Circle in the Square was like a horseshoe. That's right. Yeah. And you were making the cornbread when you were on stage, you know, the lights are all on there. What, you know, what, did you ever like get distracted? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you're not in that usual lights. Yeah. It's very yeah. difficult because a lot of times these days, audiences do not behave. And as a matter of fact, opening night, someone's cell phone went off during the very quiet part of the ending. And I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off when I went through the press line. I was just like, I was just steaming because 
it just is like, really? You know, people would come with food because we were two feet away right. from people. But when they were wrapped and into it, there was nothing like it. But, you know, a lot of the times people don't behave in the audiences. Any, you know, people bring food, they talk, they look at their cell phones. It's and a, and a show like that's very distracting, mm -hmm. very distracting. I'm sure, I feel like I read something about you maybe once giving a shooting a glare or something. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. I office. do it all the time. Yeah, I, I love that. I do it all I the time. That. Grazie, when we were rehearsing uh, Gardens of Anuncia, we had done New Brain in uh, the Mitzi New House. Right. And Grazie was like, I remember one night there was someone whose feet was on the stage and you, without missing a beat, let them have it and then kept singing your song. And I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> But I do also remember doing Queen of the Mist at Judson Gym. Uh, again, it was like a playing area and two-sided audience. And this guy had his legs crossed and out onto the stage. Oh and I, he was in my path. And I kicked his feet as hard as I could. <laughs> and he pulled his feet back and never put them on the stage again. I just kept going. It's staggering to me how people are unaware. I've got to ask about Queen of the Mist. It's it was it's sort of this like performance that people really revere and look back on. But was it like a, a short run or something like that that happened? I did 50 performances 50 of that. Performances. And it was exhausting. And yeah, it was just a regular transport group run. And not a lot of people saw it because it wasn't that, you know, I, I don't re remember the body count in the mm -hmm. audience. But yeah, it was uh, one of the, the best role I've ever had in my life. And I've said I probably will never have a role as great as that. Was it based on? Yeah, it was based on uh, a true story. Anna, story. Anna Edson Taylor, who was in her 60s when she built a barrel and went over Niagara Falls, a barrel of her own design. Uh, she was a brilliant woman, but she was kind of a grifter. She was a difficult woman. She wanted to be famous. And she went over Niagara Falls. The only reason she got hurt was because they used an axe to open the barrel. And that's how she got hurt. It was her own design. She navigated the falls. She was the first woman to do it and then got no credit for it and died a pauper. It's a kind of my soul role. And whenever I talk about it, I may start crying because I always do. Uh, maybe I won't because I've already cried today. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was a, an incredible, incredible gift. And also when Michael John writes something for you and, and he writes from the bottom of your range to the absolute top and goes back and forth. So it was incredibly challenging vocally, and it was challenging, but I loved every minute of it. It was great. It was the first lead I ever had. The first lead you ever had? Yeah. What made it so fulfilling? Was it just everything you just said, you know, the way it was written? Well, it's just, a, yeah, it's all of that. And it's just an incredibly interesting character who is severely flawed, but accomplishes greatness and mm. then is forgotten. It's just an amazing, it was amazing piece there's an album there's a cast album okay good i was gonna say i, I i'm not familiar with any of the music oh uh, it's but... incredible and it's of a time you know it's of that time it's the early 1900s so it's that kind of music and you know that's the genius of michael john is that he can write in sort of any time period and be appropriate time yeah. appropriate so oh yeah. yeah i mean hello hello again is the great showcase of that with all the different exactly exactly you also did have did the first daughter suite and the first lady suite and mm -hmm. i'm again not too familiar with both of those but are they connected both have albums 
They both have albums. Thank goodness. I mean, uh, the first uh, the first lady suite is the original cast. Okay, that okay. album, and we did the revival for Transport Group, which was, I think, the first Michael John I did. And then that was many years ago. And then first daughter suite was at the public several years ago. I didn't even remember. I don't dates. Sure. I don't sure. know. But a great album. Really interesting. But you play different roles. Like there's no crossover with the different characters. No, it's a completely different okay. pieces. First lady suite. I played uh, Hickok, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's friend. Yes. And then in uh, first daughter suite, I played Barbara Bush. Okay. And the, I mean, from what I hear, it was an uncanny performance as Barbara Bush. Everyone oh, raised Oh, that's so nice. That's so lovely. Uh, yeah, you know, he'll always make me the older. Li- I- I'm always with the gray wigs, you know, whenever <laughs> to go. Barbara Bush's wig was soul crushing because it was just this gray wig. And then just recently, Gardens of Annuncia, at least the wig was prettier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm the character. I'm the resident older character person. Even when I'm young, I, you know, play- when I was younger, I was playing older oh, yeah. people. That's so interesting. Yeah. But it was your, yes. you didn't wear a wig in Oklahoma though. That was your beautiful curly hair. No, that was my hair. Yeah. That was oh my, my goodness. Hair. Daniel made me, I was so mad at him, but because Ali Stroker was blonde and I have, you know, highlights in my hair, he made me dye my hair darker, which I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, you have ruined my hair for this experience. But, you know, then I got it back. When it was over. There you, go. you mentioned Queen of the Mist being, you know, one of the experiences you're most proud of, performances you're most proud of. Throughout your career, what are other productions or roles you've played that are up there with Queen of the Mist that you think really are your faves? Nothing is close to Queen of the Mist. Nothing is, actually. Because I'm always a character actor. I'm always playing supporting roles. Always. So when you have everything to say and everything to sing, it's a completely different Mm. story. So nothing compares to Queen of the Mist for me. Nothing. That's beautiful, though, to be able to hold it in that regard and and have that. Mm. I had the final bow. That's never happened to me. I'm used to being in a line where the audience is always looking at the lead. And, you know, there's occasionally someone who looks at you when you're bowing, you know, when you have your bow, of course, people are looking at you. But when you're lined up across the stage, the audience will primarily always look at the lead. And, you know, they appreciate everybody. But I've never in my career had the final bow. And I did on this. It was spectacular. I need you to have that chance again. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Who knows? What is your dream? I mean, we've gone through so many different credits. What's And you've been working for your entire career. It's amazing. What would you love to do next if you could have a choice? You know, I'm just always happy when I get to do a variety of things. So the one role, and I've I've said this in many interviews that I would love to do is Kate in Taming of the Shrew, not Kiss Me Kate, but Taming of the Shrew. Okay. I would love to try that. But, yeah, uh, and right. I think she should be older. Of course, now I'm probably too old, but it doesn't really matter to me. And that's, I don't, I, I don't have like goals. I've never had that. And again, you know, I use the same sort of metaphors or similes or whatever you want to call them. When I'm interviewed, I'm like a pinball and whatever I hit, that's what I do. So I don't have like, gee, in five years, I want this and I want this. I don't. I would love to be a regular on a television show because I've done a, an incredible amount of TV. But I, I like to say they ask me to visit television, but they never ask me to live there. And I would love to do a regular on a series. I've just never get one. They usually, if I get a series, I'm recurring. 
if I have more than one episode. And I would love to be a regular, but that hasn't happened and that may never happen and it's all good. But that's something I would love yeah. because that's easier than eight shows a week. <laughs> it's much easier than eight I'm shows sure. a week. But I like doing everything. I like television. I like film. I like concert work. I like stage. I like being able to do everything. And as long as I'm able to do that, which I have been pretty consistently, and plays and musicals, then I'm happy. I love it. We're happy, too, oh, because we get to see you, you in so many different formats. Thank you. Know? you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we are sadly wrapping up this convo. But before we say goodbye, we like to end on a dose of drama. You know, drama could be anything. It could be that show you were binge watching last night, the show you saw last night, the play or musical. It could be something on your mind, rant, a rave. Dylan, I'm going to kick it to you to start today. Do you have a dose of drama? I do. So the Super Bowl happened recently, and we got the Wicked trailer. This Or a teaser, I guess, is what they're saying. It's this, you know... The, I keep saying it's probably the most anticipated movie musical of our of our generation. It's it's huge. And I am, of course, unsurprised that people are being so hateful online about it. You know, it's not the Broadway show. It's a movie musical. We got to give it a chance. I, this judgment that we constantly see. I sometimes think that the theater community is its own worst enemy sometimes. You know, we're finally getting this big thing, you know, and then. I know. That's human nature. It's human nature. Wait, Mary, you did Wicked, right? I did. You were normal at one point. Yeah. What was that was. experience like? It was, um, it was lovely. I mean, you know, it's an interesting dynamic there. It's an incredibly successful, huge blockbuster show. So it's very exciting to be part of that. And I was grateful because they pay really well. And I had a, I was there for 10 months and it was, it was fine. My one thing about the Wicked trailer, I don't have any opinion about it. It's fine. <laughs> but I don't understand. This is just a really small, petty thing. I don't understand why Ariana Grande doesn't have eyebrows. Yeah, I know. That's weird, isn't it? It's they're creepy. just like blonde, and I don't get it. It She looks weird to me. She that's does. just my, that's just, she I does. don't get it. Blonde people do have eyebrows. Well, it just is yeah. weird. It gets, <laughs> if you see pictures of her, she's, she's no, I mean, they're there, but they're like really light, and it just mm -hmm. doesn't do a service to her face. I wonder if they like bleach that's, them or something. I, I don't, don't know. know. I really no. don't know. I love that that's your, that's your, uh, yeah, I notice weird things. I, <laughs> I love like it. a weird. Yeah, That's I just so watched, uh, and I recommend it to anyone. I just watched the uh, documentary of the making of We Are the World that's on Netflix. It's, it's so good. Yes, it's in my queue. Did you watch I it? To, I need oh, to watch it. It's so good. It makes well of a certain when you're of a certain age. It made me cry at the end because it's just an incredible uh, assembly of people and egos and all of that. It's just amazing. But I was saying to my friend, I really enjoyed it. And also to watch people when they still had real teeth. <laughs> it's all veneers now. <laughs> because everyone has that big white chiclety fake teeth, mm -hmm. which I find so off-putting that, you know, I understand that, you know, for film and television, you need your teeth need to be whiter and, but everyone had real teeth back then. Another funny thing you notice. I notice shit like that all the time. Yeah, I do. No, so. that's true though. I mean, and plus in that era, I mean, it was a nobody had every the, star. Everyone, yeah, it was every that were part single of person. It, you know. Every single yeah. person, and you come away with such a respect for Lionel Richie. It's a great. You you've got to watch it. Yeah, somebody literally just this week was telling me that I, I would be obsessed with it. It's so, I definitely so good. Watch. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of music, my dose of drama. So again, Super Bowl, Beyonce announced she's doing a country album, Renaissance Act Two. Everybody's going and saying, I have to admit, I mean, I respect Beyonce, 
uh, I'm not, I don't listen to that much music. It's really kind of sad, but I just don't. I used to, but I don't anymore. But I respect Beyonce is a yeah. top yeah. of her game and she's yeah. amazing. But I've been hearing the, the couple of country-ish songs because oh, everybody's yes. yeah. playing them on TikTok now. And they're interesting. I think yeah. it's great it's for yeah. her as an artist to try all kinds of different things. I'm excited for her. But I love, I love that you're on, yeah, you're on wait. TikTok, Mary. Do you mostly scroll? What is in your For You page? <laughs> I love TikTok. I don't even watch TV anymore. A lot of political stuff, a lot of doctor stuff, uh, medical stuff, just cute animal stuff, life hacks, recipes. I love TikTok. I am so informed of the political scene, not from watching the news, but from watching TikTok, because there's a lot of very smart people on there who have, who keep you up to date on everything that's going on. I love it. I can watch it for hours and hours. Oh my God, you're so fun. Do you make TikToks as well? No, I, I, I'll never do that, but I enjoy watching it. Are you active on social media? Do you tweet or use Instagram? I ha no, I don't tweet. I don't tweet. <laughs> I have Instagram, but I don't. I have somebody who does it for me because okay. I, if I nice. had to do it myself, I wouldn't. So, yeah. um, and it's really just business based, show businessy based right. stuff. That's at marytesta.actress. Everyone's got to follow you. I have no idea and... what my, even my, um, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. if they want to follow me, they're, they're, you know, I have, I think, uh, maybe a little over 8,000 followers, not much. I remember Lindsey Graham said to me, because when I was coming into Wicked, she was leaving and she was like, well, you have to, do you do Instagram? I was like, no, she said, you have to. I mean, because people are hired now with the amount of followers they have. And I was like, well, then I'll never get hired again because I don't care. <laughs> oh my God. I really, Wait. I don't. Mary, you said Lindsey Graham. Did you mean to say Lindsey Mendez? Oh, I Lindsey Mendez. <laughs> I said Lindsey Graham. Yeah. You're too oh much on political TikTok. You're on political TikTok. <laughs> That's so funny. Although he would make a good witch. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yes. I meant I meant Lindsey Mendez. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I meant Lindsey Mendez. Oh, you're so That's funny. hilarious. What a That's slip. Great. I know. Oh God. That's Listen. so funny. Well, everyone's following you. They've got to follow us. We're at the Drama Podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Mary, this was truly a dream. Thank you for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you. This was so nice. And and I cried. I mean, that's yeah, that was real. real. We, we got the good stuff. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to everything that you have coming down the line. Oh, thank you. It's very nice to meet you both and continued success. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama. <laughs>